The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line, finally, here on ESPN 106.7 on a Wednesday afternoon. I hope you're all doing well. Apologies for uh, the uh, technical difficulties. Um, Had it just, I think there was something, it was on our end, um, on our end 100%, uh, but something uh, something was messed up from last Wednesday when I was not here, right when I was out sick last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I uh, thought we had it all changed back over, and we did, uh, just seemed to be a little glitch, and so uh, we are here now, though, we're a few minutes behind, but no worries, we are here on a Wednesday afternoon, hope you're doing well, here on the Wednesday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back, I I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio on a Wednesday afternoon. Rivalry Wednesday, each and every Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. We will talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We'll also talk with... Austin Hannon of Bama Central, um, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama, and uh, we'll get caught up on the Georgia Bulldogs after they defeated Auburn. Of course, we didn't talk to Jordan or Austin last week since I was not here, uh, but we will talk with Jordan about the Georgia-Auburn game. We'll also talk about the Georgia-Kentucky game as for maybe the first time this year, Georgia looked like the number one team in the country. So, We'll talk to Jordan about that uh, coming up in just a few minutes. That'll be at 2.30. And then we'll talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central on how Alabama has continued to just figure it out. They've continued to win uh, coming off that win against Texas A&M. They have a game coming up this weekend against Arkansas, um, an Arkansas team that is reeling. I mean, this Arkansas team... People were high on them in the offseason for some reason. I don't know why. I tried to tell you Arkansas wasn't going to be all that great. People got on me when I said K.J. Jefferson uh, was sixth in my preseason quarterback rankings. Now, K.J. Jefferson is still playing pretty good football. Um, He is, what, he's thrown for, what, 1,300 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns, but six interceptions. So he's still good, but he's not just this world-changing quarterback that people said he was and I got dragged for that but here we are Arkansas is two and four and they're probably going to be two and five after they go to Tuscaloosa this weekend so we'll talk about that later on with Austin Hannon as well but hey phone lines are open Uh, again apologies for getting on a little bit later but we're here uh looks like it's drizzling a little bit outside it's supposed to be raining all afternoon and evening long uh here in auburn and opelika but phone lines are open would love to hear from you on a wednesday afternoon 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me what's on your mind on a rivalry wednesday what do you want to talk about what do you want to hear from 
Jordan and Austin uh, when I have them on the show. If you have particular questions you want to ask from them or or have questions that you want me to ask from them or topics you want me to cover with them, um, let me know. And I would absolutely uh, put it on there and be sure that I ask them when we get them on the phone line. So give me a call. Let's have a talk on a Wednesday. 334-321-1390. And as we get further into the week, I want to start taking a look around college football and looking at what's coming up this weekend in college football. Um, It is a week where it may not be as stacked as of other weekends we've had, especially the last couple of weekends that we've had in college football, where we've just had game after game after game that was supposed to be good and ended up being good. Um, but there are some doozies this weekend. There really are. And look, you had three games played last night. You had a game uh, played on, uh, you've had multiple games played already. You have games coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, you have games tonight being played. You have games on Friday night being played. And then, of course, a bunch of games on Saturday. And. When you look around, you obviously have Auburn LSU, uh, you have Indiana-Michigan, which uh, unfortunately I don't think Indiana is going to be able to hang with Michigan. Uh, that's a 2-3 and three football team, and Michigan looks really, really good so far. Um, it, but again, they have not been tested, so I don't know how good Michigan really is because they haven't been tested. Uh, Minnesota, their head coach said that that's the best football team he's ever seen in his 12 years of coaching. So maybe they are legit. I don't know. Ohio State's on the road to Purdue, but that's a two and four football team. So not a ton of great games. Um, I'm curious in your mind, can Arkansas keep it close with Alabama? 11 a.m. kick on ESPN in Tuscaloosa. Arkansas looking for their first Power 5 win of the season. They're on a four-game losing streak, and they're almost three-touchdown underdog to Alabama. Can Arkansas keep it close? Can they win on Saturday? Can they beat Alabama? Because we know this isn't the Alabama teams of the past. They've proven that already. But what I think the question is, is Arkansas just that bad? Is Arkansas just that bad? Because outside of of Mississippi State, Alabama just hasn't truly beaten anybody outside of Middle Tennessee. And I mean beat somebody bad, right? 24-10 over Ole Miss, 26-20 over A&M, 17-3 against South Florida, and they, of course, lost to Texas by 10. They did beat, beat Mississippi State 40-17, so... That's a good win. But I don't know if I have the confidence in Alabama to beat an Arkansas team by three touchdowns. An Arkansas team that may be two and four on the season, but has hung in just about every game they've played in. They won their first two. They lose a weird one to BYU by a touchdown. They lose on the road to LSU by three. They lose to Texas A&M by 12, a game that was closer than that. And they lose on the road to Ole Miss by a touchdown. So nobody has been able to beat Arkansas 
by 21 points. And what has Alabama shown that they can beat somebody by 21 points other than Mississippi State? And Arkansas, I think, is probably better than Mississippi State. I don't know. I think they're pretty comparable. So that's an odd line for me, just in, in my opinion. I'm curious where, where you stand on that, my listeners. Other games going on this weekend um, around college football that have really caught my eye. The big one that everybody's going to be talking about, where college game day is going, where all eyes will be on 2.30 on Saturday. Number eight, Oregon, and number seven, Washington. Huge game. Potentially game of the year. Could be game of the year. I think it's the game of the year up to this point. I think so far you've seen Oklahoma-Texas last weekend was probably the game of the year so far. I think you can make the argument the Alabama-Texas game going into it was one of them. But this is a great game. Top 10 matchup out of the Pac-12, the conference that will no longer exist after this year, and a conference that's been a laughingstock across Power 5 football for years and years and years. And guess what, folks? I've been saying it for five weeks now. It's still the best conference in college football. And Oregon and Washington are two of the best teams in college football. Bo Nix at Oregon and Michael Penix Jr. at Washington are two of the best quarterbacks in college football. And you're going to see that on Saturday, 2.30 on ABC, when number 8 Oregon travels to Seattle to take on number 7 Washington. Really, really excited about this game. Uh, you have Michael Penix Jr., who is one yard short of 2,000 yards, has 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, that's just through the air. Um, this is a really, really fun game. The total is 67. That's a lot of points. But these teams like to score a lot of points. And there's one thing we know about the Pac-12 in the past is they don't like to play a whole lot of defense out there in the Pac-12. But these two teams, believe it or not, have actually played pretty good defense. The most points that Washington has given up this season is 32. And that was 32 points to Cal, believe it or not. 32 points to Cal a couple of weeks ago. Oregon, on the other hand, the most points they've given up is 30 to Texas Tech. That's not that bad. That's really not that bad when you consider what Pac-12 defenses usually are. But we know the most points an Oregon has scored this year is in Game 1 against Portland State where they did unspeakable things and they scored 81 points for whatever reason. And Washington, on the other hand, before we get to break, they have consistently scored in the 40s and 50s, with their highest point total being 59 in that game against Cal. So you're going to see some high-flying offenses on Saturday. And this is a really, really fun game. And there's a really good chance that you could say the winner of this game on Saturday between Washington and Oregon will represent the Pac-12 on the college football playoff unless they stumble along the way. If they stumble in the regular season and or stumble in the Pac-12 championship game. And here's the problem with the Pac-12. 
I've been saying it all year long. They were going to be the best conference. They are the best conference. But by the end of it, you may not know it because they're going to eat each other alive. They're going to eat each other alive. Look at Washington's schedule. They play Oregon. They also have USC, who's a top 10 team, maybe. They have Utah, who's a top 20 team. Oregon State, who's a top 15 team. And Washington State, who's a top 20 team. They're all ranked. Which means they're all going to play each other. Look at Oregon's schedule. Playing teams out of the Pac-12 that are ranked in the top 25. Washington this weekend. Washington State. Utah. USC. And Oregon State. A great conference is going to eat itself alive. And you may not even know how great the conference truly is. I think they'll get one in somewhere in the playoff. And I think Washington and Oregon, the game on Saturday, has a chance to be the winner of that has a chance to be that representative. 334-321-1390. We're talking college football. Looking ahead to this weekend, a couple of more SEC matchups. We'll talk some Auburn and LSU as well before we get to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, the Georgia beat writer over in Athens coming up at 2.30. Give me a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. I would love to hear from you on the phone lines. What's on your mind on a Wednesday afternoon as we uh, once again begin looking towards uh, the weekend in college football. Um, Games that you're looking forward to. How are you feeling about Auburn LSU? I know we've talked about it over... Over the first couple of days, um, uh, but what what's on your mind? How are you feeling about it as we get closer? Is there a concern for you? Is there a worry for you? Um, is there a confidence from you um, about Auburn offensively, defensively um, going into this game on Saturday? on the road at LSU are you concerned about having to play there at night once again I mean it seems like Auburn you would think they're used to it by now I know it's different coach different players whatever but Auburn in general Auburn fans maybe Auburn fans are totally normal and used to this because it seems like Auburn always plays LSU under the lights and so um what's on your mind I'm curious how are you feeling as we get closer to Saturday 334 Three two one thirteen ninety, and also um, we're going to talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven, the Georgia Two Four Seven site, uh, coming up in just a few minutes. He joins me every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday. If you have any uh, any questions or comments that or, or topics that you want to cover that you want me to cover with him while he's on the show about the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, give me a call. We'll write it down and be sure that we talk to him about it. 334-321-1390. I've been looking through just all the games coming up this weekend um, in, in college football. And, and side note really quick, it's a very busy time right now in sports. 
You have baseball postseason. You have NHL that started yesterday, which I know a lot of you just rolled your eyes when I said that, but hockey started yesterday, and if you listen to this show, you know how much I love that sport. Uh, You have NBA starting up in just a couple of weeks as well. Um, It's a crazy, crazy time. You have college football happening. College basketball is less than a month away. Like, it's about to get wild in in the world of sports uh, for the next few months, and so I'm excited about it, and I hope you are as well, but with the games coming up this weekend in college football, again, it's not the biggest like stacked weekend that we've had in a while, but there are good games. And I just talked a lot about that Oregon and Washington game, but the biggest game in the conference has to be Texas A&M on the road at number 19, Tennessee, 2.30 on CBS. A weird game, right? It's the crossover from the SEC West and the SEC East. Um, two teams that don't really play each other a whole lot. Um, and um, I think this is a really interesting game. It's an interesting game. We have somebody calling it. We can, we'll bring them on right now. Um, Texas A&M, Tennessee this weekend. Just an interesting one, really. Tennessee favored somehow. I, I think I like A&M early right now. I don't really know. Got a couple of more days left to kind of – Kind of figure out what we want to do on that one. But um, I think Texas A&M and, and Tennessee could be a really, really interesting matchup. We'll get to the phone lines really, really quickly. Uh, 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who are we speaking with? This is Spectre. I, I'll be quick. Yeah. Uh, you think LSU's got a better defense this year than they did last year? Uh, better than they did last year. They're not playing like it, that's for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, my point is, um, who do you think is going to be quarterback for Auburn? On Saturday? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be Peyton Thorne? Okay. Based on what? Uh, based on that he started against Georgia. I think he played better against Georgia, and I think he will still be QB1, especially coming out of a bye week. Um, that I think they worked on things, and I still think he's going to be QB1, but I think Robbie's still going to get his touches. Yeah, I do too. Uh, well, I was Looking at Robbie's record, I mean, his, his stats from last year mm-hmm. against LSU, and he was 19 of 38 for 337 yards and two TDs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think LSU's quarterback is basically uh, Robbie Ashford 2.0. I mean, he's he's really good. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really believe that Robbie would have a better chance against LSU than Peyton. Well, I think his his running ability really will have a threat, and I think you're going to see that quite a bit later in that football game, and even when Auburn gets near the red zone, I think Robbie's going to really see the field a lot, because I think he's going to pose a big threat to LSU for sure. Well, bring that up when you, when you, with your next guest, see what they think. Okay, will do. I will absolutely All do right. that, Spectre. Appreciate the call, man. Great to hear from you. 334 334- 321-1390. We're going to talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 when we come back about the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll talk to him about what he saw from Auburn's quarterback room and how Georgia, after that beatdown against Kentucky, looking like the number one team in the country. Jacob Goetz 
on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on a robbery Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio on ESPN 1067. And as always on Wednesdays at 2.30 to kick off Rivalry Wednesday, it is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, the Georgia 24-7 sports website, the beat writer over in Athens. Jordan, great to hear from you, man. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I was out last week and we've got a lot to catch up on but I, I gotta start how was your trip back to the plains and auburn for the auburn georgia game a couple of weeks ago man oh it was great jacob got to catch up with a bunch of folks uh, it was nice it kind of doubled as my bachelor party uh, went out to lake martin and uh, sunday we uh, went to talladega so uh, made awesome a trip out awesome there. it was uh, it was definitely a fun time back to the point was that your first time at, at talladega no, I've been three or four times. Okay. I'm a big NASCAR fan, but I did uh, did bring a bunch of people who had never gone, so they got uh, quite the thrill. That I I went there for the first time. Uh, less than a year ago, uh, back in uh, I can't remember what it was. Now back in the spring, and that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. It was the the Geico 500 there at Talladega. We actually did a remote broadcast there for our radio station, and uh, that was the coolest one of the coolest things I've ever done. I'd never been to a NASCAR event or anything like that, and the noise and the feeling of when they start the cars and when they're flying around the track, it is un. I mean, there's no way to put it into good words and um that that's a really really special place definitely it was fun to be back and uh, hopefully made uh, a few of the guys on the trip fans out of it i think they had a good time well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, glad you got to make a trip back to Auburn. And, of course, uh, you got to cover a Georgia football team that escaped, I think is the best way to put it, with a win from the Plains, a 27-20 to victory over Auburn. I know it was a couple of weeks ago, Jordan, but do want to pick your brain on that game just for a minute. Um, your overall thoughts before we get to what the really good response was for Georgia against Kentucky. Uh, but in that game a couple of weeks ago in the Deep South, oldest rivalry as Kentucky or excuse me as Georgia defeated Auburn 27 to 20 what'd you see I think the biggest thing I think Auburn figured out the best way to attack with the quarterback situation it has you know the thing that Georgia struggled with the most was stopping those quarterback runs and I thought Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford were really really effective on the ground in that game and I think a lot of credit is due to Hugh Freeze and that staff Philip Montgomery as well uh, in understanding that, you know, they weren't going to be able to throw the ball that much. Georgia knew that, but it really didn't stop Auburn from being able to make plays. I thought Auburn did a very good job of being creative, of trying to uh, get Georgia out of whack, uh, getting Georgia's defense guessing, and it put them in position to win that game. You know, now Georgia did uh, all they could to help Auburn with the turnovers and a couple of near additional turnovers that were initially called fumbles and eventually overruled. Uh, Auburn had itself a, a real opportunity, um, just wasn't able to finish it out. I think a big part of that is the talent disparity. And, I mean, you look in the fourth quarter, uh, Georgia had a Brock Bowers and Auburn did, and sometimes that makes a difference. But uh, I know nobody likes moral victories, but I think that there was plenty of positives to take away if you look at it from the Auburn perspective. Uh, pushed Georgia to the wire and um, just ultimately, did, ultimately didn't have enough to get the job done. I feel like for somebody like yourself who writes about Georgia 
on a daily basis. You've got to be running out of adjectives to describe Brock Bowers and just how good he is and how impactful he is on the offensive side of the football for the things he did against Auburn and the things that he's pretty much been doing his entire college career. Yeah, it's always funny at this point when it comes to Brock Bowers if he doesn't make a play you're surprised you know he had a a near touchdown catch against Kentucky that he dropped in the end zone and we all kind of looked at each other like hey you know he is mortal you know he isn't perfect but yeah he uh he's outstanding you know the the conversation really since that Auburn game has been um if he could be a potential Heisman candidate uh, I I think he's gonna have to put up some really big numbers to do that Uh, but there's no denying that he's one of the best college football players regardless of position in the entire country, and what he does is really special. I think he helps Carson Beck, especially in tight situations. You know if you've got to get the ball, if you've got to move the chains on a third or a fourth down, you can look 19's way. And uh, Georgia's done a very good job, especially in the Kentucky game that followed that Auburn game, of using him uh, and, and really trying to keep defenses guessing. You know, a situation where they think they may throw to him looking elsewhere or on run obvious run downs. Um, being able to throw to him instead. There was about a 25-yard gain Georgia had in that Kentucky game on the third and one where you know, everybody in the stadium is thinking they're going to run the ball here. I know those throw to 19 and let him get the job done. So, you know, I know opposing uh, teams are not happy to see 19. Um, he, he keeps everybody on their toes. And, you know, uh, nine times out of ten, if the ball's thrown his way, he's going to make a spectacular play. Well, he is he is such a unique talent at the tight end position, and Georgia has found multiple, multiple ways to use him. And, and let's just be honest, he's good for college football because he's exciting to watch. Um, he's a unique talent where uh, a tight end position that doesn't get utilized as much as I think it should, and, and credit to him uh, out at that position making plays like he does. Talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, the Georgia 247 site uh, covering the Georgia Bulldogs. Let's talk about that Georgia and Kentucky game where the Bulldogs bounced back. I know they beat Auburn, but they bounced back I think in a really really big way with what was a true beatdown in Athens 51 to 13 over Kentucky this game was over by the first quarter and Georgia really asserted dominance over a top 20 Kentucky squad yeah you know the question and the big concern for Georgia going into that game was just how slow it had started in the first quarter on offense going into that game five games in only 17 total points in the first quarter Turn that around against Kentucky, score right away on its first drive, get a stop, go ahead and score on the next drive as well. Georgia scored 14 points in the first quarter of that Kentucky game alone and was sort of on from there. And that was really interesting after the game. We talked to Chaz Chambliss, Georgia's outside linebacker, and he talked about how much that very strong offensive start helped the defense. Kentucky kind of had to bail out of running the football, which we know they're very good at. They did such a good job against Florida. Uh, the week before that, Ray Davis had a big game. But uh, just watching the, how productive Georgia's offense was and building that lead kind of forced Kentucky to lean on Will Levis and say, all right, if we're going to keep up, Will's going to have to have a big game. He couldn't. Um, you know, Some of it was him. Some of it was a few drops from his receivers. Uh, but by that point, it sort of set the stage for Georgia to take this one over and, and to pull away. And uh, I think when you consider – the caliber of opponent, you consider the fact that Georgia's about to play Vanderbilt and then have a bye week before what's going to be a really tough stretch of games. I think that was just what the doctor ordered for Georgia. I think there's a lot of excitement within the program. And understanding that they've had high potential throughout the year, 
and uh, against Kentucky, they did a very good job of meeting that potential. We it seems like. In this game every year, both teams, especially the last couple of years, both teams have come in undefeated or just one loss, right? This game was late in the year last year, lots of hype, lots of expectations. And then it seems like Georgia does something like this, where they just remind you how much farther ahead they are than everybody else and how much better they are uh, than this Kentucky football program as a whole right now. And so I ask you this, Jordan, because I've been pondering this question does the 51-13 to victory, does that say more about Georgia, who hadn't really got that super dominant, impressive win yet this season? Does it say more about Georgia or say more about Kentucky, where the Cats just aren't where they thought they were? I honestly think I would say it says more about Kentucky, because there's been flashes of what Georgia could be and being very productive and having that really good second half against South Carolina, having that really good second half against Auburn. But with Kentucky, if you looked at their schedule before they had played Georgia, I'm just rattling off the top of my head, it was like Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Florida. None of those teams scream you know, a win that shows you that they're for real. They faced really their toughest competition, and you saw uh, what kind of disparity there was between the two teams on the field. I think Kentucky is probably still about an eight-win team, maybe a nine-win team just based on the schedule. Um, but I think that Georgia understood the, the challenge at hand. I think they knew they were more talented than Kentucky, and unless they ran into some turnover issues, which they had against Auburn, um, that they should be able to take care of business. So, again, I think it's a boost for Georgia. But on the whole, if I looked at those two teams, I would say it's sort of more revealing for Kentucky because that was by far the toughest game they faced, and uh, we saw how that wound up playing out. Well, Jordan, Georgia's more talented than Kentucky – because Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. That's why they're better. Right, right. I guess uh, Mark Stoops have forgotten about Devin Leary and Ray <laughs> Davis and a couple of those receivers. I, I do understand, and I thought Kirby handled this very well. Uh, he said you know, he understood what Mark Stoops was getting at, trying to build up uh, the, the fan base. But uh, I think it was Kyle Tucker at The Athletic who covers Kentucky. I thought he made a very good point. Uh, that you don't want to be crying poor or asking for money after you just got beat by 38. Mm -hmm. When, again, we were just making the point, Jacob, they've uh, brought in guys from the portal. It's not like Kentucky has had no options. Right. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I think that was a poor decision by Mark Stoops, who otherwise I think is a very, very good coach, done a great job at yeah, and, and here's my thing. Like, I get what he's saying. I really do, because I don't think he's wrong when he was talking about, you know, Kentucky fans and Kentucky donors. It's like, look, if you want legitimately, if you want Kentucky football to compete with the likes of a Georgia, Alabama, or what have you, like, yeah, you're going to have to cough up some more money and we're going to have to go out and truly compete with those schools. But, yeah, after a a thirty eight law a thirty eight point loss in the middle of the season, it just seemed really really weird timing. It was on his own radio show. I mean, it was just a weird situation. And I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think Kirby Smart and Georgia handled it pretty well. Yeah, I think uh, Kirby sort of understood that there was no positive to take out of that. And I do wonder. And again, this is from an outsider's perspective, by how much of that Mark Stoops comment and what was said goes back to what's going on in the past between him and men's basketball. You know, we always know that Kentucky and mm. that's no secret that men's basketball is the stir, you know, the straw that stirs the drink there. 
Um, I wonder if that's a piece of it, too. It, it just Nothing good was going to come out of that, uh, especially, like we said, after a blowout loss. Uh, I get it. I get on the sort of basic level what he was getting at, but uh, nobody's going to smile and say, all right, coach, here's a 20. We're going to pass the hat around after that guy. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's just not a whole lot to truly gain from a comment like that. And, and I, you know, I mean, a couple of weeks, we won't even think about it anymore. But it was really interesting from from Mark Stoops. And I'm with you, a coach that I think is is really, really good. We're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs247, who joins me every Wednesday at 2.30 here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7, part of our Rivalry Wednesday each and every Wednesday on the show. Moving forward, um, I feel like there's just not a whole lot, unfortunately, to ask you when it comes to the game this weekend. Georgia on the road in Nashville taking on Vanderbilt, a team that I thought was going to be better than they are, Jordan. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, the dogs are favored extremely heavily. What I, I'm looking at 31, 32 points this weekend. Anything that Georgia can work on before, like you mentioned, the bye week coming up after this game this weekend? I think, honestly, the biggest thing is just getting guys healthy and getting out of this game healthy. It's sort of a weird dynamic with Georgia this year. You know, typically you go into a season, you're pretty healthy, and then as you go through that month of September, you kind of get banged up. For Georgia, it's been that they were pretty hurt going into the start of the season, slowly gotten guys back. They got a few guys that they're hoping to get back uh, going forward who probably won't play on Saturday, I think. Specifically, Roderick Robinson, one of the running backs where they really, really need depth there. And even other guys that will probably play, but maybe not a ton, like Aladdin McConkey. Even Javon Bullard, who has been playing the last few games but was banged up and had missed some time. I think that's the biggest thing for this Vanderbilt game. Look, sort of on the same page with you, Jacob. I thought Vanderbilt would be pretty good. I fought really hard not to pick them last when we were back at media days. I did in the East, but I thought, well, you know, they can still probably get six wins and make a bowl game. Uh, that's not going to be the case this year. This is a very, very bad Vanderbilt team. Uh, Georgia should take care of them. Again, this is a series the last two years. Georgia has outscored Vanderbilt 117 to nothing. Oh, my uh, I don't gosh. Know. Yes. I don't know if there will be that shutout this year, but I don't see it being close. I uh, think that Georgia's biggest thing, again, is try to get out of this thing healthy, get another week to kind of heal up and get ready for – well, it looks like a pretty interesting stretch of games, starting with that game in Jacksonville on October 28th. Yeah, you, you mentioned that a little bit ago. Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech is how the Bulldogs will finish the year after the bye week. And you, I, I don't know what you're going to get out of Florida, but we know Missouri has a high-powered offense. We know Ole Miss at times has an high-powered offense, and Tennessee at times has a high-powered offense. So a really, really interesting stretch down the back end of the season for Georgia if they want to stay undefeated and remain number one. Definitely, and I think it's one of those things, even talking about Florida, I think Florida's down, but I've seen some very weird things happen in Jacksonville where you kind of have your mind made up, okay, this team is going to win this game, and then you come in and just something bizarre happens. So, I mean, I think that you know the bye week is usually before the Florida game, and I think that's always a good idea, and especially this year, try to get those guys healthy. But I think there's going to be a very interesting stretch to end the season. Yeah, there are a lot of questions about Georgia's schedule this year. I think there's still – some holes you can poke in it, but I think Missouri's been very good. You know, I thought they had a shot of beating LSU this past weekend. Ole Miss, probably the second best team in the West behind Alabama. And then the fact you have to go to Tennessee, I mean, that definitely ups the level of difficulty against a Tennessee team that I don't think is quite as good this year. 
but yeah, it's it's going to make things interesting in November, and it's going to be fascinating to see how Georgia handles it. Well, enjoy your trip uh, covering Georgia this weekend in Nashville. You'll enjoy the bye week next week as well. And then, uh, like we mentioned, that back half of the schedule will get pretty interesting for the Georgia Bulldogs. Jordan Hill of Dogs247. Go check him out at dogs247.com. Jordan, as always, man, we appreciate you and your time. You have great information. Uh, Auburn fans, they care about what's happening in Athens, and they want to know the latest on the Georgia Bulldogs. So tell them where they can find you and all your fantastic work to do that i appreciate that jacob dogs 247.com on twitter at jordan davis hill on twitter at dogs 247 so yeah getting ready for an early one 11 a.m central time uh, local kick there in nashville and uh um, you know we'll get a little bit of a break next week with no football but there'll be men's basketball media day and uh we'll stay busy with that as well are you going to hit broadway on saturday in nashville after the game jordan be honest uh, you know what? I'm probably not. I'm probably headed back. Oh, it me. So it's probably going to be a ride back. Go ahead and get back to Athens and uh, try to uh, try to relax a little bit with this little bit of a break we get. Well, you deserve it, man. Enjoy the trip on Saturday. Be safe, and then uh, enjoy the bye week. And we will talk to you next time. All right. Sounds great. I appreciate it, Jacob. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, uh, the best in the business covering the Georgia Bulldogs. Joins me every week. I don't know. I I guess I could have asked him, but um, if he wants to, we'll talk to him next week in the bye week. Unfortunately, I just don't think there's going to be a whole lot to talk about coming out of Georgia Vanderbilt. And if he's on a bye week, we may just give him the week off and let him take a few days and uh, maybe not have to do a radio hit. But I'll leave it up to him. We'll see what happens next week. But we do appreciate him joining us every single week, talking about the Georgia Bulldogs who really did respond in a big way with a win over the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll come back and wrap up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Would love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up our number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thanks to Jordan Hill of Dogs247 uh, for joining us every Wednesday and joining us here today for Rivalry Wednesday. Talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. So again, go check them out at uh, dogs247.com. If you are subscribed to the Auburn 247 site with uh, Christian Clemente and Jason Caldwell and Nathan King, all of those guys, uh, you get the you get the access to the Dogs 247 site through your it's a 247 subscription. So you get access to both. So uh, if you're interested in more Georgia information, Georgia coverage, you can go check that out. And again, Jordan does such a fantastic job. So we appreciate him hopping on the show each and every Wednesday. We'll have Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. Uh, we'll have him on coming up in hour number two. And we'll talk to him about the Alabama Crimson Tide that continue to find ways to win after that Texas game. I don't know how, but they continue to do it, uh, and they've got a good chance to get a win this weekend uh, against uh, Arkansas this weekend on Saturday. So we'll talk to him coming up in hour number two as well. Uh, But until then, uh, we're about to get to a break, but would love to hear from you on the phone lines. What's on your mind on a Wednesday afternoon? Uh, I've been posing the question as we get closer to Saturday. uh, How are you feeling about Auburn and LSU? We had special calling in earlier talking about the quarterbacks some more uh, that seems to obviously be the 
the high topic of conversation uh, between the quarterbacks and can Auburn's defense hold on this weekend I mean they've been playing really really good but they're playing a really high powered offense this weekend in Jaden Daniels so come on in let's talk about it here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line we'll continue talking Auburn LSU looking at college football talking about it all here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. And as I mentioned, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us in hour number two as well. Looking forward to it. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two during Rivalry Wednesday on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of hour number one, you know where to find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com, click on the Podcast Center, and you'll find a commercial-free posted there right after each and every every show in hour number one uh we uh let's see we talked to jordan hill of dogs 247 on our our georgia beat writer and got his thoughts on uh, georgia football coming out of the auburn game coming out of the beatdown against kentucky uh so talk to him we also started taking a look at some of the games going on this weekend in college football and while it might may not be uh, the biggest weekend, there are some really big games. And so, really talked about all of that in that first hour. So, if you missed any of it or any other parts of the show, you can find the podcast later on today. Coming up here in hour number two, going to take a different approach in this segment uh, and really excited about it coming up in just a few minutes. We're also going to talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. We're going to talk to him about the Alabama Crimson Tide. 5-1, and one, playing Arkansas this weekend, chance to go 6-1 and one, somehow, some way. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that Alabama team the vibes going on in Tuscaloosa right now and all that good stuff so that'll be coming up at 3 30 until then uh, phone lines are open uh, if you want to call in what's on your mind what do you want to talk about on a Wednesday uh, give me a call we'll get you on the show 334-321-1390 our show producer and intern Michaela waiting on your call we'll get you put on uh, and we'll talk about whatever is on your mind on a Wednesday afternoon I've been posing the question as we get closer to Saturday uh, how are you feeling 
about the Auburn LSU game. Are you confident uh, for this Auburn team and the offense and defense to go down there and perform at a high level uh, and get another win somehow in Baton Rouge? Or maybe you're a little bit concerned and worried about the high-powered offense that LSU plays in Jaden Daniels. So what are your thoughts? Would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. But I want to talk about last year's Auburn LSU game. Because Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett from Radio Free Auburn, he tweeted at me earlier today, and he was asking me about it. And I'll be completely honest, I have shut out most of what happened last year with Auburn football just because of how bad it really got. But if you remember, both of these squads were 3-1 and one going into this football game. Auburn and LSU were both 3-1 and one in the game, played at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And if you remember, Auburn, for the most part, dominated the first half of the football game. And by the end of it, even though Auburn got shut out in the second half, it seemed like Auburn should have won the football game. They got off to a hot start. I mean, a really hot start. And Uncle T-Bone tweeted at me earlier today, and he said, will someone with a better memory than me kindly remind me how Auburn lost this game last year? And Robbie Ashford threw for 337 yards with two touchdowns. Inspector called in about this also, and that's sort of what got me sparked up on this as well. And he tweeted at me, he said, talk to me. How did Auburn lose this game last year? And here was my response. I said the missed field goal late in the second quarter is really what started it all. Auburn was rolling, folks. Auburn was rolling in this football game in the first half of play. Auburn goes up 7-0 early. I mean, really early in the first few minutes of the football game, right? They force a punt. Teams traded punts back and forth for a while. Auburn then scores another touchdown going 99 yards in sixth place, couple of plays from Tank Bigsby, big pass from Robbie Ashford to Javarius Johnson. You had Jarquez Hunter, a pass to him uh, down the middle of the field, and he broke free down the sidelines. And then Robbie Ashford threw to Camden Brown wide open in the end zone for an 18-yard touchdown. And just like that, a minute into the second quarter, Auburn's up 14-0 last year. You force another punt by LSU, You then have another seven-play drive, and you kick a field goal. It's 17, 17, nothing Auburn, okay? You then have the fumble by, by Auburn that gave LSU the touchdown, the fumble recovery for a touchdown, which was a heck of a play. It was B.J. Ojolari, and if you don't remember, he was tearing up SEC defenses early, or offenses early in the year last year. And he got the strip sack fumble, and it was picked up and ran in for a touchdown. That's really where it started. But you're like, okay, it's 17-7. Everything's fine. Auburn's up by 10, 17-7. LSU's offense has still not done anything. We're fine. Everything's good. Auburn goes on a 10-play drive, and they miss the field goal at the end by Anders Carlson. And at that point, you're like, okay, you're up by 10, You had a chance to go up by 13. 
and you could feel the momentum switch a little bit, could you not? You could feel it switch to the LSU sideline. Well, what does LSU do in response? They go 77 yards and 11 plays, and they score a touchdown. And it's 17-14 at the end of the first half, and a first half that Auburn dominated for most of it. And that's when everything flipped. Teams traded a couple of punts. Auburn went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. LSU turns around. They go the length of the field. They score a touchdown. Robbie Ashford throws an interception. And after that, it was over until LSU fumbled it. And then Auburn threw an interception, and that was the end of the game. That was it. The second half was ugly last year. LSU scored one touchdown in the second half, and that was it. That was the ball game. 21-17 is the final score. That was a heartbreaking loss for Auburn. A heartbreaking loss. Because as Uncle T-Bone said with the stat, and as Spectre was saying earlier on the show, here's Robbie Ashford's stat line as as QB1 last year. You ready for this? 19 of 38 for 337 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Now, there was another interception thrown in this game last year. Do you remember what it was? Do you remember what happened? Auburn got cute, and they flipped it back to Coy Moore when the play was dead. LSU had read the play, and he rolled to the right, and he just lobbed it up. I don't know, and there's still a debate to this day whether he was trying to throw the football away or trying to get it to a receiver. I don't know. But he threw it right to an LSU defender. And when you go look at the passing stats, there's Coy Moore. A wide receiver who is 0-for-1 in the passing category with an interception. How about that? That was one of those plays last year where you circle it in red and you, you just scratch your head. And you want to go to the coaching staff and be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing things like this? And that was one of the big plays that really that really hurt. You had a muffed punt. As well, by Keontae Scott. That didn't help. And that's what I tweeted back at uh, at T-Bone earlier today. So, Auburn just kept shooting itself in the foot. But again, who would have thought that Robbie Ashford as QB1 could throw for 337 yards? Now, the accuracy wasn't all there. He was, what, 50% on completions, but he threw for a ton of yards. A lot of those were after the catch, but still. And yet, that's how Auburn lost the game last year at home. 21-17. to To an LSU team, that was decent. Jaden Daniels didn't really do a whole lot. He had a couple of nice plays. He had a better day on the ground, I think, than he did through the air. He only threw for 80 yards. Only had eight completions last year. But on the ground... He carried it 16 times for 59 yards and had one of their three touchdowns. And that was a heartbreaking loss for Auburn last year. At home, a chance to get back on track in in that season. It It was a tough game for Auburn. And again, it's one of those 
that I sort of just forgot about because last year was such a disaster. <laughs> like, it, it just went, all went downhill from there. It really, really did. Did it not? I mean, it just went downhill from there because you came off of the embarrassing Penn State loss. You then come out of the miracle win against Missouri, and a miracle it was. You shouldn't have won that game. And you had a chance to bounce back and get a win over LSU, a team that you outplayed, and I think you were better than at that time. And you just give the game away with turnovers and bad play calls. And ultimately, that led to a lot of losses in a row, five to be exact, with LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. And of course, Brian Harson was fired in there. Cadillac took over at Mississippi State, fought till the end, and then you turn around, you get the Texas A&M win, the Western Kentucky win, and eventually the loss to Alabama. But I thought it was interesting bringing up the LSU game from a year ago in a game that Auburn could have won and possibly should have won. And I talk about this because what if Saturday, this coming Saturday, the game this season gets down to a situation like that? What if Auburn goes down there, and we're playing our favorite game, the what-if game, right? What if Auburn goes to Baton Rouge this Saturday and the defense continues to play like they're playing? Right, Auburn's defense is playing top 10 level defense in college football, I think. The numbers may not 100% back that up, but I don't care. Just look at what they're doing. Look at who are who is making plays and what they're doing to opposing offenses. Now, this weekend could change that, but let's say that the Auburn defense plays like they have been and they go down and they hold LSU to under 30 points. That's what Daryl Dapridge, that's the number he threw out yesterday, and I think that's pretty accurate. I do. I think that's a solid number. Now, the obvious concern is can Auburn get to 30 points offensively? They haven't been able to do it against Power 5 competition, but let's say 30 is a decent number to hold this LSU squad to. So let's say the defense plays well. And let's say the offense, for the first three quarters, plays well. Let's say they have 21 points. Heck, 24 points. And this is a football game in the fourth quarter. The question then becomes, can Auburn pull it out? Can Auburn finish the football game? Can Auburn win a game that they're in late? They couldn't do it against Texas A&M now that game got away from them late they did it against Cal but we know that's a different level of competition a step down in competition and they could not do it against Georgia a game where they had the lead in the second half a game that they ended up giving away due to some turnovers and an injury and allowing one of the best players in college football to beat you So that's what the question then becomes. If Auburn's in this football game on Saturday, can they pull it out? Can they win it? Because so far, other than Cal, we haven't seen that. 
And this could be a real turning point for this football team. It really, really could. It could be a turning point for the program. And I mean that because what if Auburn does go and win a close game, a good game? And I'm not talking like Auburn did the last time they were in Baton Rouge where Bo Nix pulled out some of the craziest plays I've ever seen in my life on the football field. And Auburn won, and credit to him, it was a magical night in Baton Rouge. But I'm saying that this Auburn team goes down and they play for four quarters. And they're not having to scramble and throw Hail Mary plays and and find just the dumbest ways to win. A win's a win, but you know what I'm saying here. What if Auburn goes down and competes for four quarters and they win a close game and they pull out a close game coming out of the bye week? What if they look fresh coming out of the bye week? What if they fix the things they need to fix coming out of the bye week? And what if they take advantage of a bad LSU defense, a defense that's been playing bad, has talent, but they've been playing bad. And the defense for Auburn can slow down a legitimate Heisman contending quarterback. What if, for one of the few times in the last few years, Auburn went and won a true 50-50 game? Because I think it is. I know the spread is, is double digits, but I think Auburn hangs around in this game. And I think it would say a lot about this program and about Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff, which, believe it or not, they're already getting questions. They're already having people question if it's the head coach or the coaching staff and whether they should be let go or not. It would say a lot, would it not? Would it not say a lot if they could go down and win this game on Saturday and pull out a close game where nobody's picking them to win? Again, we're playing the what-if game. But it's a real opportunity for Auburn to do that. And then come home and play an Ole Miss team that I think if you play your best football, you are better than. If you play your best football, you're better than Ole Miss, I think. I really, truly believe that. There's a big opportunity at stake this weekend for Auburn. They have to play well. And it's not going to be easy. But I think there are opportunities for this team and for this program in a game that is winnable for this team and program if you play your best football. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll continue talking Auburn LSU, college football. Need to make a couple of comments about baseball as well when we come back. Then we'll get to Austin Hannon of Bama Central at 3.30. So still some time for you to join the show. Would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio, the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll have Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us when we uh, come back in just a couple of minutes at 3.30. So uh, be sure you stay around uh, for that. Stay tuned for that as we will talk with Austin from um, Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. We'll talk to him about the Crimson Tide and their game uh, last weekend and of course their game coming up this weekend against Arkansas as well. But Got a couple of minutes uh, left in this segment. Before we talk some more football, I do want to mention 
uh, really, really quickly. Um, baseball, because postseason baseball uh, is in, no pun intended, it is in full swing. It's right, it is all all up in it right now. Um, in the divisional series, uh, you've got teams that are already done, teams that are already eliminated. It's kind of crazy uh, to see what's been going on uh, so far in baseball. You had the Rangers who eliminated the Orioles, a 100-win team, by the way. Uh, the Rangers took care of the Orioles, three-game sweep. I mean, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the Rangers took care of business against the Orioles. Uh, you've got You've got, of course, uh, the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. That series tied at one apiece. Game three is tonight. It's actually this afternoon, uh, starting a little bit after 4 o'clock. We'll talk about that in just a minute. We also have uh, the Astros and the Twins. That's a good series. Houston up 2-1 in that series. In the uh, ALDS, the winner will go and play uh, the Texas Rangers. That is game, what, game four tonight in Minnesota. So Houston can win the series. These are best of five in the uh, divisional series. So uh, Houston can get a win on the road. They will advance to the ALCS. Um, And then what's probably been the biggest surprise so far of the postseason, the Arizona Diamondbacks have come out ready to play against the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're up 2-0 in the series on the 100-win Dodgers. After game one, they jumped on Clayton Kershaw, who we all know is a Hall of Famer. We all know he's been the the ace for the Dodgers for what seems like a 1,000 years. Um, but his playoff performances are pretty brutal. I mean, they're pretty bad in his history. So Arizona has taken advantage of it. Um, game two was a little bit closer. Game one was not close by any means. 11-2 to two was the final score after the Diamondbacks beat the Brewers in the wildcard series two games to none. So they're 4-0 and in the postseason are the Arizona Diamondbacks beating the Dodgers 11-2 in game one, 4-2 in game two. Both of those on the road in LA, which means game three tonight is obviously in Arizona. And that game is at eight o'clock. And we will have tonight, being Wednesday, we're going to carry the Braves and Phillies game here on ESPN 1067. But since it comes on at four, uh, first pitch being earlier than it was on Monday. And as we're getting closer into um, into Auburn and LSU game week. We don't want to get rid of the drive, obviously, with Bill and Dan. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pick up the game in progress, the Braves and Phillies game. We're going to pick up that game in progress. So once the drive goes off at 6, uh, we'll pick up what will be probably the last three to four innings of that game because we want you guys to still be able to tune in and catch some of that broadcast we just can't carry the entire thing and so we're going to have the back end of that game for you uh plus we're going to have the uh dodgers and diamondbacks game tonight that begins at eight o'clock uh pregame will come on about 7 30 ish uh so we'll have the full game for that it'll be after the braves and phillies game so we'll have that one for you tonight as well dodgers and diamondbacks and if these series continue to go we'll continue to carry the games as much as we can and so that's sort of where everything sits right now uh here on espn 106.7 so just stay tuned for that 
That includes uh, Game 4 tomorrow of the Braves and Phillies. That starts at 5 o'clock. And remember, these are in Philadelphia. These are on the road. Uh, so the Braves got to find a way to, uh, to figure this thing out. They're on the road in Philadelphia. That game starts at 5 o'clock tomorrow. Um, we will carry that one, pick it up in progress as well. And then if it goes to a Game 5 on Saturday... We will carry that game on Saturday. If we don't get that, if there isn't a game five, um, hopefully it would be the Braves taking taking care of business in Philly. Uh, hopefully it's not the Phillies taking care of business at home. Um, but if this does get to a ne- if necessary winner take all game five in Atlanta, we will um, we will carry that on Saturday. It's a five o'clock first pitch. Come on the air about four thirty. If that does not happen. We will have Texas A&M and Tennessee in college football. So Saturday is going to be a good day no matter what. And then we'll have the Diamondbacks and Dodgers if that gets to a Game 5 back in L.A. So great weekend coming up. Great action here on ESPN 106.7. Uh, we call ourselves the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, and it's because it's true. It's because we do the best. We have seven straight hours of local sports talk radio. We also have some of the best live events from ESPN Radio with postseason baseball. We have college football. NBA, college basketball, both coming up as well. I mean, we just have so much going on. So that's sort of a little bit of an update. Um, Braves tonight, got to find a way to uh, to get the bats going again as they did late um, in Game 2. You've got Bryce Elder going for Atlanta, and you've got Aaron Nola going for the Phillies. And Lindsey uh, Lindsey Crosby, great friend of the program, he put out a stat, uh, a set of stats earlier today this Braves lineup, they don't hit very well against Aaron Nola. And not many people do. There's a reason he's one of the best in, in the business. So Braves got to find a way to do it. Um, if I had to pick, I would say the Phillies tonight. Braves in game four tomorrow. And then hopefully the Braves in game five. Um, but I would just I would love to see the Braves just go ahead and take care of business. So we'll see what happens. But we will pick that game up in progress today. Uh, that starts at four. Um, but... We'll pick it up in progress after the drive, so keep that in mind here on ESPN 106.7. Coming up, Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site. We'll talk Alabama Crimson Tide football when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It is Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Let's get to the phone lines as our second guest for Rivalry Wednesday is Austin Hannon of Bama Central. He joins us on the phone lines. Austin, great to hear from you, man. I know we didn't talk to you last week when I was out, but uh, we got a lot to talk about, and it's great to have you on the show once again, man. Yeah, I think it's been a few weeks, Jacob. I mean, we've had we've been off our schedule here, so a uh, lot's happened. I think since the last time we talked, and 
I'm fired up to talk about it. Yeah, well, yeah, because I yeah I forgot because you were out of town one week as well, and so uh, we weren't able to get you on then. And then I was out sick last week, and it's just, yeah, it has been a couple of weeks. So we do, man, we have more to talk about than I thought we did. So uh, where do you want to start? I mean, we can go all the way back to the beginning if you really want to. I mean, there's weeks and weeks to talk about for Alabama football uh, since, of course, you do write for the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama, BamaCentral.com. And you had, what, you had the win against Mississippi State and then, now of course, the win against Texas A&M. And so I guess a general question before we look at A&M in particular, what have you seen from Alabama in the last four wins in a row? I know the South Florida game was not sexy by any means, but you had the Ole Miss win, you had the Mississippi State win, and then the Texas A&M win as well. They're figuring out the identity. And this is, I mean, we, we talked about this in the offseason. We talked about it leading up to the season. That I, I thought that if this Alabama team could, like, come together, figure out what they're going to be good at, what they're maybe not going to be so good at, um, and just put it all out there and understand each player on the team knows their job, that maybe this team could figure it out and they could make a run in the SEC West into the playoff. And, you know, you never want to doubt Nick Saban in a, in a college football playoff. So um, they're, they're kind of starting to figure that out now, I think. Um, Jalen Milrow obviously was was the whole weird quarterback thing happened at the beginning of the year, and he's starting, and now he's not playing at all, and now he's starting, and eventually they said, okay, he's our guy, and week by week, Jacob, he's just getting better. He's just getting better. We saw the same thing happen with a lot of the quarterbacks that Alabama's already had in the past. You think about Blake Sims, you think about Jake Coker. Um, it, since we're taking away from obviously the top tier of the quarterbacks with Tua and Bryce and and whatnot, but the the guys that have maybe not been as good that that tier below that I've still been able to win football games, and I'm kind of starting to emerge Jalen Milrow into that spot because uh, he's doing a lot of things well right now. He's starting to, to understand his reads better. Uh, the game plan is starting to circle around his strengths, which is very good for Alabama. Um, and in la- and they, they've kind of been tested in a bunch of different ways, I think, over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, in Starkville, they were able to run the football a lot, but they only threw the ball 13 total times. Uh, and then last week in College Station, it was like, nope, you're not going to run against these guys. So, can Jalen Milrow beat a team with his arm? And the answer to that was yes on last Saturday. So, um, they're in the defense, which I've been talking about, I've been talking up all offseason, uh, that I thought it would be the best in a few years. It's becoming that. They're, they're, they've got so many good individual stars on the defense. And now so many guys that are starting to emerge as stars. Uh, when you think about guys like Terron Arnold and, and Caleb Downs, the true freshman, you're starting to see a, a very big identity of this Alabama football team come out to the forefront. Um, I think there's a lot of good things ahead of the way it looks right now. Well, when it comes to Jalen Milrow, you had talked about weeks ago, and it may have been right around that South Florida game when we were going into the Ole Miss game, you were talking about how Alabama offensively had to shape the offense and the game plan around Jalen Milrow. We've seen teams do it for years and years and years, and it's successful when you have a guy with his specific skill set where he's throwing the ball pretty well and can throw a good deep ball, but he also has really good running ability as well. And like you mentioned, it seemed like Alabama has started to do that, and here we are. They're on a four-game win streak. Yeah, and I, I've just been so impressed with Jalen Milrow, and I was, you know, I, I'm a self-proclaimed doubter of his at the beginning that maybe it wasn't going to be his job to win. Maybe he didn't have the arm talent to, to lead a team like Alabama. But he, I mean, he's proving me wrong every week. And, and last week, he took just another step forward. Like the beginning of the season, we saw the deep ball. Like you said, it was it was there. Um, Alabama was able to hit to hit the big plays, but it's that short to intermediate game that, that there were still questions about. And how is he going to do in that area? And so Texas A&M, while they did allow some deep balls down the field, 
they said, hey, we're going to stop the run, and we're going to make him beat us across the middle and the intermediate zones of the field, and he picked them apart. I mean, you, you just go back and watch the film, as I did, uh, and Jermaine Burton was on you know, the, the good end of most of those sideline throws. I mean, throws that, that we, he's got pressure coming in his face, and he's just really just lobbing it over the top into the perfect hands um, of his receivers. And so, you know, he's making he, every single week he makes steps, and it's not even really about the running game anymore. Um, Texas a took that away, too. And you look at the box score, you look at the things that Texas a did well last week, and you would not have thought that this team won the game. I mean, you're, you're going to tell me that Alabama ran for 23 rushing yards. They turned the ball over a couple times. Um, you know, Jalen Milrow didn't have a single rushing yard. I think he was in the negative because of all the sacks. I mean, you're saying, oh, Texas A&M surely won that game, right? And then they didn't because not only the defense stepping up when, you know, those turnovers happened, they, they held Texas A&M to zero points off turnovers, which is, I mean, a miracle. You think about the Texas game and those two turnovers Jalen Milrow had led to 10 points, and then Texas wins the game by 10 points. Right. So, um, the defense, along with the improvement of Jalen Milrow, is doing a lot to this football team. Yeah, that, that game against Texas A&M, I think it really, really uh, speaks volumes to, and, and I think it could be a really crucial game uh, for Alabama when you look back on this season, uh, when we finish this thing up. I know we're around halfway through, but winning that game 26-20, to uh, they, they won that close game, right? A game that a lot of people lost, and you know this, a lot of people had Texas A&M winning that game. They thought Max Johnson was going to go in and, and light Alabama up on defense, and they didn't know if that offensive line for Alabama, which has struggled pretty mightily, they didn't know if they could hang with that Texas A&M defensive line that had been wreaking havoc over the last couple of weeks. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this could be a really pivotal moment and maybe a turning point in the right direction for Alabama moving forward. Yeah, and I didn't even mention the 14 penalties for 99 yards that Alabama had in college <laughs> You add all of these things that I've said together, along with the, the record 108,000 whatever people that were there, that is unbelievable that they were able to win that football game. And so when you look at it, you take it from a broader scope and you say, okay, uh, and this is kind of what Nick Saban's been talking about this week. If you can take away the negative plays, the, the turnovers, the penalties, the pre-snap penalties, take all those things away. I mean, this is a really good football team that's got a lot of potential moving forward. So... Um, I think that week by week they're going to get better at the penalty thing. I, I still, obviously, in the SEC on the road, you're going to go through struggles like that where uh, you're going on silent snap and guys are touching guys and guys on the defense are being distracting and moving around and people are flinching. And, and, and so it gets difficult on the road, and it, it makes sense that um, in an environment like that with a young offense and a young quarterback that you're going to have some penalties and have some pre-snap you know, miscues like that. Uh, but if you can get that thing, those things cleaned up and, and continue to improve in the passing game and I think a big thing for Alabama this year is I, I've seen enough at this point in the season right now from Jalen Milrow where I feel comfortable uh, with the passing offense moving forward. I've seen Jermaine Burton kind of take a step forward, which with him it seems to be one step forward, one step back. You know, Then he gets a penalty, then he fumbles, and then he gets an 80-yard touchdown. Uh, but Isaiah Bond's starting to come through in the receiver group. So the guys that are catching the football are starting to kind of come together. Uh, you're starting to see a couple stars at wide receiver, and Milrow's starting to throw that thing all over the field. Can Alabama learn to run the football consistently is going to be a big thing moving forward. Uh, because at the beginning of the year in the offseason, that was, you know, all the talk of this team was going to be what like, like they did against Ole Miss and like they did against South Florida down the stretch. Lining you up five on five, we're going to knock you down with our brick wall, and, and Jason McClellan's going to run right through the hole. So um, they had a lot of struggles with that at Texas a Like I mentioned, 23 rushing yards. Um, they had a lot of struggles to run the ball against Texas. So these, these athletic, strong, big, 
defensive fronts have been giving Alabama problems. Um, and I'd like to see you know a couple guys like Justice Haynes get in there and, and get to tote the football as well. So um, I think running the ball and limiting penalties is going to be a big thing moving forward. We're speaking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He joins us every Wednesday during On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, part of Rivalry Wednesday each and every week on the show. Good thing for Alabama, Austin, moving forward. They're going to be at home for the next month. They have three games coming up, including a bye week, uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, bye week, and then LSU. That comes at a really, really good time, and this is a prime opportunity a couple of tough teams with Tennessee and LSU and Arkansas has been you know they haven't won many games but they've been in all their games so a really really good opportunity in my opinion uh, for Alabama to continue to stack up some wins and build some confidence for the back end of that schedule yeah that game last week was huge I mean it was not understated I mean a lot of people talked about the SEC West was on the line in College Station and um, now, I don't necessarily agree with that just because of the schedule that Texas A&M does have remaining. I think even if Alabama had lost that game, the door would have still been open for them. But like I just said, I think that door for Texas A&M is now closing. I think they've got a tough schedule the rest of the way. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Aggies go 7-5 and five this year, which then we're going to start having questions uh, about Jimbo Fisher yet again. Once again. Um, yep, that's but, right. But <laughs> Once yeah, again. We, we talked about it, I forget, it was probably a month or two ago. You said what game on this schedule is going to define the season, and it's—I I said LSU on November fourth, um, and it seems like right now, at least, we, we, obviously, we know the issues that LSU's got right now. They've got extreme defensive issues uh, that Auburn, your Tigers, are going to be looking to, um, you know, exploit this weekend down mm-hmm. in Baton Rouge. But that game still—I mean, it seems like my entire life that game has defined the SEC West. I think it will again. But like you mentioned, the home field advantage is going to be a big thing. Um, I, I do think I do circle that Tennessee game. I circle that Tennessee game bigger than the LSU one because seeing what LSU's got on defense tells me kind of everything I need to know. Obviously, Jaden Daniels, great player. They've got a great offense, the best offense in the SEC probably um, at this moment. You can argue Ole Miss, but um, so but I think Alabama's defense can slow them down enough to win that game. Tennessee's not being talked about a lot, Jacob. Um, we saw them go down to the swamp. It was ugly. And I think as soon as that happened, everybody kind of wrote the volunteers off. Uh, But they're kind of like Alabama. They're kind of picking things up here. Uh, Big game this weekend, obviously, at home against those Texas A&M Aggies, uh, which I think Tennessee's going to win. But I think that that game's the biggest biggest challenge moving forward for Alabama. Can they get revenge on Tennessee? Can they slow down that Josh Heupel offense? Uh, But, you know, in the the back of my head, I've, I've, I've still got the Auburn game circled as well just because, uh, not only have I seen a lot of crazy things happen at Jordan-Hare Stadium, but I saw some crazy things almost happen a couple weeks ago when Georgia went to town. So um, uh, there's still a couple challenges ahead, but if you're Alabama, you know the rest of the season you're going to be favored every single game. So what that tells us is we Alabama's the favorite to win the West. They're the favorite to go to the SEC Championship, and I think that uh, that is the matchup we're going to see in Atlanta between Alabama and Georgia. And When you get there, that's when you get you got to answer a lot of different questions. Well, to get there, they have to take care of Arkansas this weekend. Uh, Austin, what can you tell us from what you've seen about this Arkansas team, a team that is, I mean, desperate, I mean desperate for a win this weekend and really anywhere they can find it on the schedule. They've been competitive in all of their games. They just haven't been able to win any of their big Power 5 games. They're 2-4. and Um, the, the, The mojo and the emotions have to just be extremely low right now for this Arkansas. Arkansas team. Uh, what can you tell us about them and what Nick Saban and Alabama are saying about this Arkansas team? 
Yeah, I, I think this Arkansas this, this Arkansas team is one of the most interesting stories in the SEC this year. They come in with a lot of expectations. You know, everybody knows KJ Jefferson. Everybody knows Raheem Sanders. And so the expectations that they're going to do what they have done the last few years, and that's just run the ball, you know, with their quarterback, with the running back, uh, a lot of zone reads and stuff like that. But they've been so bad up front that they haven't been able to run the ball. And so when a team that wants to run the ball can't run the ball, then they have to turn to the pass. And, and like Alabama, that's kind of a similar thing that they've had to deal with was if people are going to attack the run and your offensive line is one of the weaker parts of your team, can you throw the ball and still have success? The answer for Alabama has been yes. The answer for Arkansas has been no. So that's the big difference in, in a 3-0 and conference record versus an 0-3 conference record. They've lost four games in a row, including that one to BYU that kind of started it all. But they're still a dangerous team. And, I mean, you, you watch back that, that game they played in Baton Rouge this year, that game they played in Oxford last week. This team fights. Uh, they got good players. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've, like you said, been in every game that they've lost. So uh, that 2-4 and four overall record could look a lot better if things went their way in a couple of those games. But that's where they're sitting. And, you know, listening to Sam Pittman on the SEC teleconference this morning, he kind of just said, hey, look, we're excited for the challenge. We're excited to see, you know, what we can do against a team like Alabama. And I think they're playing with a lot of – they're not. They're playing very stress-free probably this weekend when they come to Tuscaloosa because it can't get much worse than it is right now. You lose four games in a row, what's one more loss to Alabama? you got nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting you to do anything. That's why the Vegas line says Alabama minus 20. Uh, so for the Hogs, it's just about – can they, can they do the things that they thought they could do well and what they have been doing well to make themselves a good team over the last couple of years? And right now, that's not the case. They've got serious issues on the offensive line. KJ Jefferson's getting sacked. They can't run the ball. And so, um, you know, they got to they got to get back, to back back to the basics because I don't think Arkansas is a team, and I don't think KJ Jefferson's a guy that can that can hurt you primarily with the passing. In the past, that that spread, you know, right around 20, 21 points in the Alabama-Arkansas game, it, it's been legit. It's been warranted, obviously. And now that Alabama's starting to turn it on, it makes a little bit more sense. But the point that you and I both just hammered home is Arkansas's been in every game that they've lost. That just seems a little weird to me that all of a sudden Vegas is back on Alabama, even though Arkansas has been in all of these games. It just it seems a little weird to me. Not saying that Alabama can't win by that much, but it does seem a little fishy to me yeah I, I actually agree I don't think you know I, I haven't come to a, a certain pick on who I think is going to cover the spread but I'm definitely leading Arkansas and I agree with you um, just because I've seen what what they've been able to do against similar competition on the road um, being at Ole Miss and LSU which Alabama may very likely beat both of those teams they already beat Ole Miss and so it might be a little bit more of a challenge but you also have to factor in this game's at 11 a.m. You know, Alabama hasn't had to play an 11 a.m. game this year. Yeah. Um, there's going to there's gonna be some sleepy bodies in that locker room, I can promise you, when they have to show up to the stadium, be in the stadium at 9 a.m. on Saturday. So um, I, I think that's going to play a factor. I, I think Arkansas is going to come in, you know, pretty loose, play a, play a pretty, um, you know, they might try to mess around, pull some things out their sleeve that, that Alabama might not be ready for. But at the end of the day, I also think it could get ugly just because of what Arkansas has been struggling with and what Alabama is getting better at, and, that, and that's at the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and Alabama's been so good in the last few games at getting pressure on the quarterback, beating opposing teams' offensive lines, and that's got to be a, a, a nightmare fuel for, for Arkansas just because of all the struggles they've had on the offensive front and K.J. Jefferson getting hit. Um, it, it could be a long day for that Arkansas offense, and if so, I don't know how long the defense will be able to hold up. 
Well, Alabama favored uh, by many, many touchdowns. And if they play, look, if Alabama plays how they have been playing, they're going to win this football game. I don't think many people are worried about that. But you do have to play well when Arkansas comes to town because they're a good enough team to hang around. And then you just never know in the SEC. You mentioned it already. 11 a.m. kick Arkansas and Alabama there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, It's another SEC West matchup before Tennessee and Alabama meet next week. Austin, always appreciate you man austin hannon of bama centrals a sports illustrated site for alabama he joins us every wednesday for rivalry wednesday here during on the line on espn 106.7 let everybody know where they can find you and all your fantastic work man yeah yeah you can follow me on twitter at austin hannon underscore um, and like you mentioned bamacentral.com is the home for sports illustrated alabama sports that's where all of our stories content videos everything goes um, and let, let's see this weekend if we can get to uh, bowl eligibility, right? Uh, the yeah. win is the one coming up. So uh, it's always a big, uh, it's a big uh, benchmark, right? That's right. And hey, man, enjoy enjoy being uh, in Tuscaloosa for the next month. I yeah. mean, you guys have three yeah. games, including the bye week, so uh, you don't have to make any long road trips anytime soon. Yes, I mean it, it's been a grind the last few weeks. Obviously, Starkville, pretty easy drive, uh, but you factor in a Tampa, Florida drive and a College Station drive, and those miles. Those miles add up on the body for sure. No doubt about it. Well, man, we appreciate you as always. I enjoy this phone call, and we uh, again, you do such a fantastic job. And we'll have you on the show next week to preview Alabama, Tennessee. Sounds great. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it, man. That's Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. Go check him out. That's where you need to get all of your Alabama coverage is at BamaCentral.com. We'll be right back and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Bill Cameron just tried to crash my show, ladies and gentlemen. He just tried to crash my show in the last two minutes. Sheesh. No, I'm just kidding. He did, though. He did. He tried to walk in the studio and take over, but he will be on in just a few minutes. Bill Cameron, Dan Peck, and Jason Caldwell uh, from Auburn 247. He'll be on in just a few minutes from 4 to 6 here on ESPN 1067. A reminder uh, that the Braves and Phillies play uh, game three uh, tonight in Philly of the NLDS. That series tied at one game apiece. And uh, we are not carrying the entire game tonight, but we will pick it up in progress. Okay, So after Bill and Dan are off the air at 6 o'clock, we're going to pick it up right there. Wherever it's at, I don't know where it's going to be. It'll probably be... If I had to guess, sixth or seventh inning, somewhere in there. Um, so I know it's not the whole thing, and I would, I'll obviously want to carry the whole thing if we can, but we don't want to bump our shows that long because it's important that we bring you our local coverage. Seven straight hours of local sports talk radio. we got to bring you that every single day, and we're very proud to bring you that. So we're going to pick up the Braves in progress tonight. Hopefully, uh, maybe it's a good game. Hopefully the Braves are winning. Maybe they'll be up by one or two. That way you can stick around and be sure you catch that entire broadcast. We're also going to have a game three between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, where the Diamondbacks have a chance to eliminate the Dodgers and a sweep in the NLDS tonight as well. So be sure you tune in for both of those games tonight. We'll update you as we go on what other games we're 
were carrying here on ESPN 106.7. Big thanks to Jordan Hill, Austin Hannon here on Rivalry Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Busy show on Thursday as always, 2 to 4 here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you later.